Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to another episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. I am the Daily News NFL columnist and Giants beat writer. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on YouTube at PL on NFL, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. We are also sponsored here by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And where we start, a return appearance from our most special guest, Benny Fowler, Super Bowl champion, author, entrepreneur, uh, really played a huge role in helping us get Talking Ball off the ground last year. He's back. Um, he, I think, is fresh, Benny, off of, I think the last time you were on the pod, you said before the Super Bowl that Kadarius Tony was going to play a huge role in that game. So you got to be feeling pretty good coming in here. I do. I do feel really good. Pat, really appreciate you just having me back. But yeah, Kadarius Tony made me look really good in the Super Bowl and <laughs> looking forward to talking ball with you throughout the entire season. Uh, football is just an incredible sport that did so much for me in my life. So love just talking about it and, and what I see and how I see it. Yeah, no, you bring such unique insight to the locker room, to the game. We love having you. And so today's episode, it's going to be a fun one. So Benny and I are both going to do three bold predictions. So I'm going to start. I'm going to give a bold prediction. Benny and I will chop it up. I'll find out what he thinks about it, and then we'll get into his, and we'll alternate back and forth. So we'll have six total, and then we'll talk maybe some Super Bowl picks and MVPs at the end. But Benny, without further ado, my first bold prediction for the 2023 NFL season is that before the trade deadline, your Michigan State teammate, Kirk Cousins, is going to get traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Now hear me out. Hear me out. Kyle Shanahan, this is not me reporting that's going to happen, but Kyle Shanahan has tried to get him to San Fran before. We know they know each other. They've worked together before in Washington. We know that he would fit like a glove right back into that offense. And I'm not wishing anything on anyone, but you look at Brock Purdy coming off the elbow, then you have Sam Darnold. Lance is out of there now. But if there, if an injury happens to Brock Purdy, and of course, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, they kind of need Brock Purdy to work out, right? Because he's the seventh-round pick. He doesn't cost them a lot. He's got, they've got money invested throughout the roster. So ideally, Purdy works out. You don't have to do anything. But if the Vikings slide and they're not as fortunate as they were last year, luckiest team in the league, them and the Giants, and then you have the Niners maybe having an injury at quarterback, let, let's let's be honest, Benny. Like last year, they went for it. They go get McCaffrey. This is the window, right? <clears throat> so, yeah. my prediction is that Kirko gets <laughs> traded from Minnesota to San Francisco before the deadline. Benny, I put it to you: Do you like that? As Kirk would say, "Do I like it?" <clears throat> no, I don't. Um, and I say that because I I really like Brock Purdy and. I like right. the swag that he plays with. I love the fact that the locker room is behind him. And I think that's one of the most important things that we saw last year with San Francisco is that regardless of Brock Purdy and where he got drafted, the entire locker room and the roster believed him in him. 
Mm. And Kyle Shanahan called plays like he believed in him, called plays totally different than he would for Trey Lance, called plays he totally, uh, totally different than he would for even a veteran like Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't think that would actually be good for the 49ers because Purdy's got swag and they like him a lot. And the entire playbook of Kyle Shanahan's offense is open with Brock Purdy because Purdy's not actually a, afraid to throw the ball across the middle. So mm. when I think about just that team and that structure, I don't think that Kirk would actually fit in well with their with them, especially in the middle of the season. Has a quarterback ever been traded in the middle of the season? Uh, not not a, that caliber. That doesn't usually happen. Like a top, you know, 10, 12 quarterback, right? Adolfo Mensa, though, the Vikings GM, you know, it's like they have some good players there, but and they brought Brian Flores in for defense. So they're hoping that that kind of makes a difference. But if the wins don't happen right away, I can see them turning some things over a little bit. I mean, Kirk's 35 now, you know, so granted, a lot of pieces would have to happen. And that's great insight, too, on the Niners team and how they embrace Purdy. And I'm more looking at it, too. Like, again, I'm not wishing anything on anybody. But if the Niners fall into a position like last year, obviously, we end up with this third quarterback rule now because of the Niners, essentially. You know, if they're in a position where they have to count on Sam Darnold during the, you know, second to last or last year of whatever this Super Bowl window is, do they go and try to break the bank and trade a second round pick to Minnesota as like a desperation move to load up? Um, you know, based on Kyle's constant overtures over the years to different quarterbacks, including Kirk, um, I think that that's something that makes sense if all the dominoes fall into place and the pieces fit. But I, I mean, I don't disagree with you either. It's like, obviously, you know, you miss on a pick like Trey Lance and then you pick a guy like Brock Purdy and he works out as well as he did that quickly. If he works out, stays healthy and your team looks the way it did in that final, what, eight weeks of the season into the playoffs before he got hurt. Then, I mean, that that's best case scenario for sure. But you shoot me down. You, you shoot my first bold prediction down, Benny. They I love rock, it. I love they, got, it. they have to rock with Purdy like they should have with Trey Lance because now – You've traded Trey Lance away for a fourth round pick. Purdy has to work out. You can't bring Kirk in here and, and mess that up. You know, mm. you just can't keep continuing to play like that. I will throw out a bold prediction for you instead of Kirk going to San Francisco. What if he comes here to the Broncos and Wilson doesn't get off to a hot start? Sean Payton likes a good veteran quarterback. They're, they're a little thin at receiver right now, but a quarterback that, you know, is a little taller, who can see over the line of scrimmage, who has done well in the West Coast offense, who doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Mm-hmm. But if that – I like that. Case, I like it because especially, I mean, you know Sean, but like, you know, Sean is in Denver and it's his show now, right? Absolutely. And, it's 100% and he, show. Yeah, and he was brought in to fix the quarterback – but also, if the quarterback doesn't look like he can be fixed, Sean's not going to sit around either, right? No, Sean is not that type of coach where he tries to pair, a, you know, peg a a round hole into a square. Yeah, square peg, yeah. round hole, yeah. all that. Yeah. yeah, he's not that. He's not that type of coach. He is going to operate from a place of strength. He is going to put all his players into a position for them to be super successful. You saw it with Drew Brees there. And you saw it with Jameis Winston there when he had to fill in for roles. And you've also seen it with Taysom Hill there. Mm. You saw it with Teddy Bridgewater. Sean Payton will put the quarterback in a position to win. If he doesn't think he can win with you, he will find another solution. And that's just what type of that's just what type of coach he is. 
What's, what is, when you mentioned the Broncos, I should ask, what is your read on, um, what is your read on, first of all, how Wilson has looked coming out of camp and how that's meshing? And then also what's your read on like what the expectations are in Denver? Because it's, it's only year one for Sean, but it's also Wilson and what you have invested in him. It's a roster that has some really good pieces, you know, so where, where are the expectations at from ownership and around <clears throat> the fan base for the team? And then are the early returns on how Wilson is picking up the offense and Peyton's playbook and all that good or meh? How, how does it look? I, I went to a couple of practices and couldn't really tell. Mm. Um, I, I watched a couple of the preseason games and I saw that Russell looked better in each one. I, w- I do know that <clears throat> Sean will put him in a position to be super successful. So I know that they're going to throw out a lot of different personnels. They're going to have him, you know, rolling out a lot. They are going to make him use and help him to use his legs. So I think that it'll be, it's too early to tell because preseason wasn't a good enough sample size. I know Sean kept him out there for a longer driving in San Francisco. Then he took him out. He only had one drive in the second preseason game, but I think we'll see in these first four games and just knowing Sean and knowing how they roll, it'll take about four games to have a good sample size in terms of, Okay, is Russell Wilson, can he fit here with Sean Payton? But the offense will look a little slow, just like it always does. Um, so I won't be able to at, you know, answer that properly until after, after the first four weeks of the season. Okay. The, the fan base, though, they want Russ to look good. It doesn't have to look perfect, but they want to see touchdowns. They want to see you throw the ball. They mm-hmm. don't want to see you getting sacked. They want to see excitement. They want to see first downs. They want to see explosive plays. So I, I don't even think it's necessarily about the record. Yes, the Broncos want, the Broncos fans definitely want to win games, and they, they want to get back to the playoffs. But I think yeah. one of the most important things, they want to see that ball move down the field. I mean, you went from record-setting years and the best ever year by a quarterback ever <laughs> in Peyton, you know, to, okay, now we're averaging 17 points a game. We're turning the ball over. We can't get the play out. We haven't been back to the playoffs, so they want to see competent football. That's what the that's what the fan base wants to see, and that's what the ownership wants to see. They want to see good football. They want to see NFL football. They don't want to see little league JV football. You know, it's funny, Benny, is because of that because last year was so bad in Denver, and like you said, it's a proud franchise with a great history. It's even though they hired Peyton, it's kind of like you know, it, it's hard sometimes for people to think of a team differently than they were the year before until you see them on the field the next year. Mm-hmm. So it, they're still kind of like this sleeping giant of a of what are they, right? Are they are they going to flip the switch and turn it on its head and suddenly look like a competent football team that's scoring touchdowns because Peyton's the leader and he's kind of flipped the script? Or do you just make steady progress, but that's enough? Um, but it's very interesting. I feel like not enough attention is even being put on them, even with that splash higher. Right. fascinating to see but good answer to watch the broncos and sean payton's quick trigger perhaps and decision making if things don't work out as a response to my uh kirk cousins to the niners bold prediction so i'll give you my second bold prediction now my second bold prediction is that the afc east champion of the last three years the buffalo bills they will miss the playoffs this season wow my <clears throat> prediction is centered around you know, you hear a lot of things. Stefan, let's say this Stefan Diggs saying out loud what he said and the amount of work the Bills have put in to try to uh, 
uh, smooth over the situation of his frustration is just the tip of the iceberg over the last couple of years of hearing things that, hey, we know this team is well put together. We know Brandon Bean has done a really good job at GM. We know Sean McDermott is revered as a coach in the league, as a defensive coach. We know they've been one of the better teams and more competitive teams. They draft Josh Allen. He's a great quarterback. It's just behind the scenes, things that just don't sound right, like Leslie Frazier stepping away, you know, really being sent packing, uh, you know, talked about it mutually. It's a mutual separation. But McDermott really was kind of, um, you know, involved in the play calling, who was really doing it. Now it's his show. Uh, they lose Dable, obviously, now. And so the offense, um, you know, last year I felt like um, stubbed its toe a little bit until they found themselves again. And Ken Dorsey, you saw even the way he snapped in the press box in that one game, like slamming the laptops. And now you have Diggs calling out people and venting frustrations. And even most recently, Stephen A. Smith going out there and just saying, uh, you know, that he knows for a fact, talking to sources that he still wants out. I just feel like this is a powder keg waiting for a match. And a lot of things have gone well in Buffalo, but behind the scenes, the pressure has built and it's almost like there's nowhere for it to go, but to completely burst. And I'd leave you with this, Benny, before I get your response. Diggs, he had four catches for 35 yards against the Bengals when they got eliminated in the playoffs last year. And I really think his frustration, Benny, is as simple as that. It was the year before we, we lose in the playoffs. I feel like I could have done more. We talk all offseason and probably the week of the Bengals game about how we're going to involve you and I'm going to carry you guys on my back. Josh and I are going to do it. And then he doesn't get really any targets in the second half. And he's standing there on the sideline once again. So I just feel like there's too much lingering uh, frustration there and that um, it's going to kind of all boil over in Buffalo. What do you think of that? I, I like that prediction. <clears throat> I like that prediction. The question is, is do they gain something by letting a receiver like that go? And do they get back on track? Sometimes you just need to let a receiver like that go. Mm. You, know, you know, shout out to Stefan Diggs and his incredible playmaking, but you have to look at the top five receivers in the league. I don't think he, none of them are on Super Bowl teams. You know, yeah. like Randy Moss didn't win a Super Bowl. Terrell Owens went to one but didn't win. Jerry Rush won some. Um, Why do you think that is? <clears throat> for reasons like this. What, you're complaining. So you had four catches for 35 yards. You want us to target you more, but they're double covering you. So, like, <laughs> what do you want to do? <laughs> it doesn't make much sense. Right. Um, so... I would say that it, you know, people can't just zoom out a little bit and just focus on that. I do like that prediction though, because it looks like the foundation from Buffalo is um, eroding right now. And this is where leadership comes into play. I think about an incredible team. My Super Bowl team, <clears throat> the year before, we were actually more talented. I think we went 12 and four, number one seed, 13 Pro Bowlers, and we, fire Foxy after losing the first round divisional. Bring right. a different leader in Kubiak, maybe more accountability. I can't really speak to that because I was only there one year with Fox, but we win it all. What's the mm. shift? What's the difference with pretty much uh, the same roster or less pro bowlers? So hmm. man, Buffalo needs that type of shift in terms of their leadership. You've lost now Dayball. You've lost Leslie Frazier. You've lost 
incredible pieces of your culture and culture is something that you just can't you can't just replace other other coaches for that and totally. when you have somebody like a stefan Diggs, you need somebody on that staff or somebody on that coaching staff to really get along with him and have those tough conversations or hey help him see the bigger picture and it doesn't sound like there's anybody on that staff and you don't have a quarterback who has enough of a pedigree to say hey like get in line right Josh Allen is still trying to figure it out what is it year five or six yeah and I think that's one of the things that you see that goes really well with Kansas City it's like yeah it's Patrick Mahomes but you have an Andy Reid who gives the flexibility and the the culture to everybody let their personality be who they are but also still keep people focused um yeah. so I, I if Buffalo misses the playoffs wow I mean jo Josh Allen is going to have a lot of sleepless nights uh, <laughs> because right. you know, he's in that same they com they compare him to Burrow and they compare him to Mahomes and Rodgers are all top quarterbacks in the league now and he's the one who's exiting stage right the earliest every time um, so it'd be interesting to see I think yeah out of that division I would say I would pick Miami to win that division that's my bold prediction out of the AFCs I pick Miami to win it wow and I also add another bold prediction is oh, maybe that's another Kirk Cousins destination if Tua cannot stay healthy. Knows, uh -huh. knows Mike McDaniels as well. Hey, Tua can't stay healthy. Here's a guy who can come in literally right away and pick it right up and has, has never had incredible weapons like that to throw to. Get me wrong, Justin Jefferson is great. Thielen was a little bit declined um, last year, but he's never had a Waddle or a Tyreek Hill. People wow, you even or you just view them as different types of uh, great receivers, I guess. But even even with Jefferson, you just see the speed of Hill and Waddle as just like a totally other level of receiving. Yeah, I mean, just Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson, you can throw two yard passes and they can take it eighty yards. Justin Jefferson, <laughs> you know, I, I put him in that Devontae Adams category where no one can guard this guy. He can catch a hundred <laughs> passes, but they're just not taking like the small one yard screen ninety. You know, right, right. So, but I got the AFC. I got Miami winning the AFC East. Wow. I actually have the Jets winning it. It's going to be, if they win it, it would be the first time since 2002. Wow. <laughs> Thanks to primarily to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, of course, <clears throat> um, and to their own dysfunction. Mm -hmm. I like the Miami pick. The only thing stopping me is I just don't believe in Tua, um, not just his health, but I'm just, you know, I think. Like a few years ago, Logan Ryan was on the Giants, and um, he said either before or after the game they played that it, just about how defenses can diagnose and kind of how he has limited uh, abilities to go to certain places on the field and how it, it just seemed like the scouting report was something that defenses almost salivated over. Now, of course, Tua had a lot of production last year, and that receiving core helped, but he also made some really good throws, so not to take that away from him, but – I just remembered that because it almost confirmed some of the things I thought I was seeing. And it's just hard for me. Of course, I want him to stay healthy, but it's hard for me to see him both staying healthy and playing at a high enough level where if the Jets don't all get hurt or fall flat on their face, I feel like would just be really a hard team to play, whether you beat them every week or not. I think they're just going to be a hard team to play. But you said it really well, too, about the Bills there, about how the foundation is eroding. That was the... That's the best way to say what I was trying to say when I was going on that uh, 
the long uh, soliloquy. Yeah. I want to go back to the Jets, or not the Jets, but the Dolphins real quick. The X factor yeah. there will be the hire of Vic Fangio. Ooh. What he did with that defense in Chicago, what he did with that defense in Denver. They now have an, op- an opportunity to where if they become a top five defense in the league, that gives Miami's offense more opportunities. But if really people point. aren't scoring that many points, you don't have to have great quarterback play. Mr. Trubisky mm-hmm. took Chicago to the playoffs. I mean, they lost on the double doink, but because the <laughs> defense was so incredible, you That's had a really good point. That, and then you have a guy like Bradley Chubb. Ramsey comes back in the middle of the year. Xavier Howard. You have you now have what you need in terms of a championship defense. In a championship defense, you need two pass rushers and two corners who can play man to man. If you can do that, you can win. Hmm. Giants have had Giants had that when they won their Super Bowls. They had a pass rush and they had corners. We had it when we won the Super Bowl. Baltimore had it on. They had studs on every level uh, in their hmm. top defense. But if Fangio can get his defense on the right page, then that's why I think they can stop a Aaron Rodgers and the Jets because Fangio knows how to play defense, just like Wade Phillips. Yeah, he's almost one of those guys too who, you know, better better coordinator than head coach too, right? So if a guy becomes a head coach, like you said, and he loses a job, maybe it's so partly due to him, partly due to other things, but some guys are just amazing coordinators, right? Like mm-hmm. Steve Spagnolo, for example, amazing defensive coordinator. You know, don't even try to go be a head coach again because yeah. you're great at what you do, right? Um, yeah, and then the only thing I would say about Miami too is like, now listen, obviously if you can throw the ball explosively, it's better than anything else. But last year it was like even situations where McDaniel should have run the ball to protect his defense or, you know, bleed some clock or control the ball. It was like they really didn't run the ball much. Um, and I think he'll probably learn from that as far as like situationally when it might help the rest of his team to do it. Um but I think if they if their defense is playing the way that you think it might under Vic, then that would be a good comp- compliment for him to learn. And then one other thing that you jog my memory on too, when you mentioned about Diggs and the reason why sometimes it's just good to get off a receiver like that. And um, it made me remember that back a couple months ago, I was surprised it didn't result in a trade because to me, it felt like one of those situations where it was obvious that the best thing for both parties was probably to move on, especially because he has so much value to somebody that you would think that the bills would get something good in return. So that was another thing that's kind of sitting with me is this idea that it's almost like the window for them to get value on a player who was really starting to sour on them. And maybe he's gone for good mentally. It's closed almost at least for the time being. And so it's like, can you recover from that? Uh, But you, so you got the dolphins I got the Jets and you have the Broncos and the Jet and the Dolphins as destinations to watch for potential midseason quarterback acquisitions. If if we, you know, we don't hope injury happens, but if injury happens to the starters, those are two places to look. So my third bold prediction, Benny. My third bold prediction is that despite the Detroit Lions being the darlings of the offseason. And despite the Detroit Lions getting the opening night billing against the Kansas City Chiefs, and despite the fact that when I went to Detroit for joint practices with the Giants, I was impressed with Jack Campbell, Jameer Gibbs, you know, a lot of their talent. They have a good offensive line. But I think in the end, the Green Bay Packers win the NFC North. 
And I think that not because I know Jordan Love's going to do something or what he is versus what he might be or isn't. It's because, Benny, if I, if I cover the quarterback position of all four teams in that division, I look at the rest of the roster, I love Green Bay's talent still, especially on defense. I mean, Jair Alexander, to me, one of the top two, you know, three corners in the NFL. I love what Rasul Douglas has grown into there. Kenny Clark, Devondre Campbell, Rayshon Gary, like, and LaFleur obviously has some, you know, some windows as a coach that maybe Aaron Rodgers has helped conceal. But with, you know, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and a running game like that, you can protect a young quarterback. And the rest of that division's not strong enough. I think the Green Bay Packers, while Rodgers is shoving it in their face from the AFC East that he's winning a division without them, I think they shove that right back in his face and make the playoffs with Jordan Love at quarterback. What do you think of that? I like that prediction. I think Jordan Love looked good in preseason. I wouldn't put my money on on the Packers in just because they haven't thrown any defenses at him just yet. Um, and we'll see how he handles some adversity in terms of, okay, you've now lost two in a row and you've played bad two games in a row. How do you respond as the starter and as the go-to guy? But I do like the young receivers that they have. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think the offense will look a little bit more fluid and more – um, cohesive just because Jordan Love's going to run Matt LaFleur's plays. He's not going to go up to the line and be like, oh, no, I don't really like this. I'm going to throw the ball. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think we'll see that in terms of all things Packers. We'll see, though. It, it depends on what type of what type of start they get off to. But I'm, my bold prediction is to take the Lions right there. I'm taking the Lions to win the division. I like Ooh. Dan Campbell as a leader. I think that momentum is going to roll over into this season. Hmm. And, and I like that. I think his name is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. I yeah. like the way he calls plays. I like their receiving core. I like the talent that they have put around Jared Goff. And I think they're going to be playing with the swagger. I think this is the first time that at least I've been alive that I will watch a Lions team go into the season with confidence. <laughs> so, and I'm from Detroit, so I'm really looking forward I know. to this seeing that i don't think they beat kansas city i think they give kansas city a run for their money maybe in the first half but if andy reed aka big red has more than a week to prepare for you i mean he's going to come with some different situations different formations i saw kelsey just hyper extended his knee yeah um, that makes them harder to game plan for to me because now he doesn't have this his safety blanket um, but patrick mahomes will find a way which he has shown to do since oh, so it's even a little bit more confusing if you're detroit because it's now like well we knew what they were going to do even though it's hard to stop but now we're not exactly sure how andy's going to attack us right exactly and now andy's going to be more creative Kadarius tony look for some big plays even though he didn't <laughs> play in the preseason look for a couple of big plays with him jet sweeps or crossers different ways um hmm. get him involved reverses reverse pass maybe something like that Watch out for Andy Reid. Good point. I also like, I've been telling everybody this offseason, Richie James as like a sleeper, like late round fantasy draft pick. Like he's, he's quick. He knows where to find the holes in the zones. He's got good hands. Like he was reliable for Daniel here in New York last year. Um, Surprised a lot of people. And um, I think he is the, exactly the kind of guy with Andy running all those horizontal routes, right. And spreading the field. Like, I think he could end up, 
you know, there might be one week where he has one catch for 10 yards, but he could just end up having nine for 112 and a touchdown, like out of nowhere. Yep. Um, so he's my guy to watch too. You know, on Detroit, the one, the other things that are holding me up on Detroit, I forgot to mention are two things. One, I mean, their running backs still look good. They got Montgomery. And like I said, Gibbs looks good. So, you know, they could replace it, but Jamal Williams last year really did finish drives for them. I mean, all the time, you know, he got in the end zone about, I, I don't have it in front of me, but he had a bazillion touchdowns last I think year. He, he had more than Barry Sanders. He broke Barry Sanders record. Yeah. Was it like 18 or 17 or something like that? I should have that in front of me, but he, he really, it's hard to find guys to get in the end zone, right? Like some of the, what the giants have had trouble with right over the years is Daniel can move the ball between the twenties. And then it's, how do you finish those drives? Right. How does the offense, not just him, how does the offense finish those drives? So I wonder whether they'll find that piece right away to score those TDs and get seven points instead of three. And then the other thing is I just felt like last year, there were a couple games watching and I don't get me wrong. I love uh, Dan Campbell as a leader. Like I would run through a wall for him too, but I felt like there were a couple games last year that they won, that it almost seemed like they won in spite of some of his late game decisions and management of the game. And listen, I mean, you can go down the list of all 32 teams essentially of coaches who didn't call a timeout and it was a mistake or they did. And it's a mistake or whatever it is, but those things just concern me by the way, Jamal Williams, 17 touchdowns rushing last year uh, for the Detroit Lions. So, uh, but yeah, those are the answer to that. <clears throat> What'd you say? Ben, John ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, is the answer to that. Oh, okay. He's had a whole offseason to think through that creatively with no pressure. So, hmm. I think he will draw up different ways and it'll be done by committee. But an offensive mind like that, you have a Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. If you lose a Jamal Williams, who's been so incredible for you, if you lose him in free agency, you now have five months to prepare. How are you going to replace that production? Right. Most of it's done by committee and it's done creatively. It's done with motion. It's done with misdirection. It's done with creative play calling, which he's really good at. Um, True. From Dan's standpoint, in terms of winning some of those games, I mean, like you said, like coaches make mistakes all the time and every NFL game is def really decided by seven points or less. So he also will have learned from those opportunities going into his third year as a head coach. True. So, so you're not letting me pop that Detroit optimism bubble yet. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't believed in the lions in a long time, actually no, ever going into a season. No, <laughs> It's going to be an exciting year, an exciting year. Like I said, Jack, Jack Campbell too. He's the one who stood out to me, the linebacker. Um, he was, he's just like, you know, Benny, how like sometimes when certain guys, when they hit people, it sounds different than the other hits. Mm -hmm. That's him. Yeah. And you know, you hear it and you see it and you know it when you hear it and see it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, no, looking forward to a fun season there. And then let's close out with, the bold predictions, the big predictions, at least for me. I don't know if you have these picks in yet for yourself, but I'm going to start with my season NFL MVP. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers of the New York Jets. Now, this is I'm not playing to Aaron Rodgers because he's in my market now and I want to curry favors, you know, with the great, you know, four-time MVP. I just think it'll be a confluence of if the Jets win their division with a tough schedule and he's able to stay healthy or pretty healthy, 
And given that he's playing in New York under the spotlight, one of the, if not the biggest storylines of this season, if he plays well and the Jets have some success, I think it'll be hard for him to at least not be in the final three, top two in that conversation, similar to like what Jalen Hurts and Mahomes were in at the end last year. And I think that kind of that public relations momentum of how bright the spotlight is, some of the teams he'll have to beat in order to have those numbers. Um, you know, I mean, I picked Mahomes last year. I was right. It's probably the safe pick again now. But I like Rodgers to one more time dial it back, if you will, and show people he's still got it. What do you think of that? Mahomes is my safe pick. Um, <clears throat> I think the Jets are going to have an immediate, just an okay year. Mm. 10 and 7. Um, okay. My, my sleeper pick for MVP and who I'm going to go with is Lamar Jackson. Let's go. Lamar Jackson. I think this is the first time he's had this many weapons. I think his ability to run is going to be on display even more because you can't, you can't guard the receivers that they have um, all one-on-one. So either he's going to, you know, throw the ball up to a guy like Odell, or you got Zay Flowers and you have all these incredible, uh, you have the tight end Mark Andrews. Oh man. But I think Lamar Jackson is going to have and win the MVP. He has a chip on his shoulder. He's got his money now. And this is now his time to really step up and be like, you know, Mahomes and Hurts were in it last year. But now he's got to get back to rivaling Patrick Mahomes. And I think he has the talent and ability to do that. So Lamar Jackson is my sleeper pick for the MVP. I love it. That goes along with, obviously, I didn't have him at MVP, but I do think that the AFC North is, at the end of this season, we look at it, we'll say it was the strongest division in football this year. You got the Bengals and Joe Barrow. You got Lamar Jackson and this new version of the Ravens. And you got the Steelers, who they're never a team you want to play, but they really look like a team you don't want to play right now. I think they struggle this year. Oh, this is a good lead into my Super Bowl pick. Yeah, Should we get to it? Yeah, I think they'll struggle this year. I think I got Pittsburgh second in the division. <gasps> Pittsburgh and Baltimore get back to the rivalry. Cincinnati. The, Bengal, the Bengals Spider. are my Super Bowl pick, Benny. Oh, no. No chance. <laughs> so, wait, why are they going to slide? Because those other teams are going to uh, step forward in the AFC North and they're just going to beat them up? Similar to Buffalo, <clears throat> they've just been knocking on the door and they've come up short. Mm. And now it's just like, it's a long season. How do you keep getting back there? How do you keep getting refreshed? Joe Burrow not playing at all in the preseason. I would keep an eye on that calf all season. Where's their continuity? And do they really have what it takes, you know, to, to really keep winning at such a high level? I think... Pittsburgh is not going to be an easy out, and Baltimore is not going to be an easy out, where last year I think Cincinnati handled them pretty handily. And I don't think – I think this division is going to beat up on each other so much that the Bengals slide a little bit. Defense isn't going to be the same. I think they lost some key defensive players, which is going to be yeah. huge. They lost two of their two starting safeties. My pick is the Bengals because I think Burrow – he looks like that guy who now is the time to win. He's been to the Super Bowl. He almost did it. He's got the receivers. And again, with the 49ers, the Bengals, 
the window. It's not closed, but it feels like it could get to closing if some other teams start making a push. You got the Jaguars, a young team with a young quarterback taking a step forward. So I feel like this is the year, but you're crushing my dreams here, Benny. Uh, what do you think about a Super Bowl pick? Will you pick, make a prediction here, or, or are you unsettled yet on that? I mean, I'll make a prediction just to throw one out there, and it'll be Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can't just you can't go against somebody who has the best player on the field and he accounts for so much but the creativity the foundation and the culture is set there andy reed knows what he's doing um the fact that they won it last year without tyreek and how patrick mahomes played mvp level all year was incredible I think they just they're playing with so much confidence and similar to like a golden state is that when you have a player where if he gets hot or he gets on a roll, it's like lights out when Patrick Mahomes is playing at that level where he's doing things, it's or he makes a no look pass or he does something crazy. You, you the other team gets deflated regardless of how good they are, because it's just like, here we go again. Ankle injury with Cincinnati last year climbs up in the pocket and throws a, a short post to Valdez Scantling, like that's almost an impossible throw, especially especially for somebody who can't move. Right. You know, so until somebody beats them, like I'm going to go, I'm going to roll with them. I think it's going to be a very competitive year, and I don't think we will know, just like most of the time we won't know till later in the year because the injuries will happen. Right. And we'll see. But the reason Cincinnati is going to be tough when you lose – two defensive players starting safeties that have made enormous plays mm. in postseason games and in regular season games to help win i mean cincinnati almost lost at home to baltimore with the backup uh, that's right you need you need big time Tyler players. huntley yeah yeah you need you need players like that so we'll see well i love your lamar mvp pick you're you're killing me with the bengals intel but uh this is this has been a lot of fun benny it always is a lot of fun we're going to look forward to having your insight throughout the season um really value it so much everybody remember we are sponsored by bet online we're also sponsored by estate 98 essencia de cafe from el salvador takes three seconds to make you throw some ice and a tablespoon of it in a glass and stir it it's a quick iced coffee. I drink it every time I do the Talking Ball podcast. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on YouTube at PL on NFL and on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. This has been Benny Fowler, Super Bowl champ. Benny, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for being here. And um, can't wait for week one, man. It's finally here. It is. Pat, appreciate you having me. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.